If you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Coffee and California Politics. Uh, we have a full news roundup today, which is sort of the point of Coffee and California Politics is to... Um, oh, i got to turn this way down. What is going on here? Oh, that is really loud. Okay, there we go. A little bit better. My, uh, my recording was a little bit too loud, and it was blowing up all over, so... Make sure I turn down a little bit so it's not blowing everyone's speakers out. Uh, yeah, we have a full day of news. This is sort of always the point of coffee and California politics is to talk about the news and what's going on. While also taking your comments and questions at the end, we discuss what's going on, whatever's on your mind. That's part of the fun of this show is listening to you guys and hear what you have to say and what topics you really want to talk about. That's why it's really more of an interactive show where I talk for a little bit and then we kind of go into questions and comments and stuff like that so a couple announcements um not really any announcements just kind of plugging away tomorrow night at 8 p.m we have natalie coming back uh you know natalie she's been on the show a couple times before several times before actually and we're going to do a whole podcast on what we are going to call pandemic pandemonium we're going to talk about what happened with covid uh, obviously monkeypox, what's going on there in the state of emergency. Everyone's been asking me, does the state of emergency that Newsom just declared uh, override the COVID state of emergency? And the truth is, no, they don't. They kind of overlap. Um, basically, what a state of emergency means is that they can end run around the legislature and they can get funding and stuff like that, federal funding. Uh, to address any of these issues but obviously you know if they need to get stuff done quick they just want state of emergency so we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about uh, sort of the differences between monkeypox and COVID in the sense of how they're treating it one way over another and maybe some reasons why and why I think they've shot themselves in the foot so we're going to talk about that tomorrow at 8 p.m. I think it's going to be a really good one it's going to be pretty spicy Um, hopefully we don't get taken down off YouTube because I'm going to try my best to to cite to as many authoritative sources as possible. So when they try and bring up anything and say, look, we we cited from all these authoritative sources that you approve of. And this is where we're getting our information from um, and trying to be as factual as possible, because you never know. The only time I ever got a warning on YouTube uh, was when I I think it was the gals from uh, Reopen San Diego came on and they had they were talking about a whole bunch of things. And back then. What they were saying was deemed misinformation. It was later obviously proven true, but nobody ever wants to admit that they were wrong. So um, somebody said join Rumble. I am on Rumble. I got to get better at like posting videos up on Rumble as well. Um, It's a little bit tougher uh, just to remember that. I just got to start doing that. Um, So and Rumble doesn't do live. So it's tougher to do the rumble unless you're like a big content producer like a steven crowder or ben shapiro or something like that um it's you can't really do live shows like live youtube shows you can't do those live streaming shows um unless you're sort of a big guy and they 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 work but then again i haven't checked on it in a while so maybe it's gotten better i don't know uh so that's basically it um and rumble's fine but i you know I think it's important that you also are out there on YouTube so that people can find you. People outside of your bubble can find you. And it's not just, 
always the same old people because there's let's be honest there are a certain people uh, you know there's people who learn lean a certain way politically are going to be on rumble you know it's going to be talking in a lot in an echo chamber of people who generally agree with you you're not really kind of pushing the narrative or pushing the needle on anything so um yeah that's why i kind of stay away from from stuff like rumble and stuff like that just because i i I don't think an echo chamber is what's going to solve this. I think we have to sit down and actually talk about a lot of things. And maybe someone stumbles on my video and maybe they like it and maybe they disagree, but they also agree on some other points and that'd be great. So um, that was a little bit more of a tangent than we were expecting. But last week was fantastic. Dan Fulkerson came on. Uh, we were lucky enough to do it live in his office, which was fantastic. <laughs> I, did. I signed up for Parlor. Someone said, what about Parlor? I signed up for it when it first came out. I haven't used Parler. I, I haven't used. I, I took all those apps off my phone. I didn't even sign up for Truth Social. Everyone's like, you should get on Truth Social. I'm like, first off, I heard it's super buggy. I heard you're one bajillionth in line or whatever when you sign up for the waiting list. And at the end of the day, like, what am I going to get on Truth Social that I'm not going to get anywhere else? Like, I'm, you know, there's other avenues of where I can get this information. I don't have to join Truth Social. Minds, I've heard good things about. Minds is a little bit different because it's not like it's not more of a political thing. Uh, Some of my some of my favorite uh, creators, content creators, are on Minds. Um, Who's one of them? Uh, Black Pigeon Speaks, who's a great YouTube guy. I love watching his videos. Uh, You know, when I'm watching him and Yvonne walks into the room, it's it's usually she says like. Um, oh, you're watching your dark conspiracy videos. I'm like, they're not dark conspiracy videos. They're just, they're subjects that most people don't really talk about. And he does a really good job covering it. So if you've never checked out Black Pigeon Speaks, check out Black Pigeon Speaks. He's very good. Uh, his videos are very, very informative. Um, and they're pretty, you know, I mean, he doesn't have an agenda. He's just trying to tell people what's going on. Um, so anyway, Minds is fine. I haven't really looked into Minds. Uh, but I think it's important to stay in the mainstream. I think it's really important for anyone who's like right of center. You got to stay in the mainstream, right? You got to stay in the mainstream. You got to be engaging. You got to be on Twitter. You got to be on YouTube. Sometimes you got to learn to play the game. Biggest contributors know that Ben Shapiro knows that Steven Crowder knows that these guys who are like enormous followings, they all know it's important to stay on YouTube and Twitter and all that. Um, and yeah, I think it's important people don't just run away from those those forums. Um, they may not be fair, and that's one thing or another, but the more content you put out there and the more content they don't take down, you never know. Like, for example, the one thing we talked about, and this is this will be the last tangent before we start talking about what the news is today, because uh, there's a lot of news going on. Uh, if, if there's content out there, people will find it. Right. And that's one of the things is when you're uh, when you do a podcast or you do videos or stuff like that, sometimes you don't see the immediate um, you don't see the immediate return. You know, a lot of people don't see the immediate return. They want to see like, oh, I, I put up a video and they check it 24 hours later and they go, I didn't see a lot of views. Um, sometimes that doesn't work like that. Sometimes you watch views continue to grow as time goes on because people look for that stuff and YouTube, especially being connected into Google and stuff like that. SEO plays a factor in it. One of the biggest things that I know if I type in 
for example, Major Williams. If you go to Google and type in Major Williams, you know, it's his stuff. And then fourth or fifth down is my video that kind of like was the first one to expose him about all his campaign finance. So now every time someone goes to search for Major Williams, fourth or fifth search down, you get to see my video. And that's stuff that like it has to be out there and it has to be on these big platforms that people can discover it. If it's tucked away in Rumble or Parlor or True Social or anything like that, people aren't going to stumble upon it that easily. They're not going to find it. You're not going to Google this stuff and find Rumble or True Social stuff on Google or DuckDuckGo or any of those search engines. You're not, you're just not going to find it. So it's important that you create the content. It stays out there. It, it matures. It grows. Um, and people can go find it. And, and that's really what it comes down to. And I, and I still get comments on videos that are like two years old. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, it, it's interesting to see the comments. People are like, thanks for posting this. I didn't even know about this stuff. So yeah. Oh, if you're a content creator, keep engaging on the main platforms. Don't shy away from the main platforms. Someone said, so major Williams is making you famous. Um, I wouldn't say major Williams is making me famous. I would say that video specifically definitely had a big impact on the trajectory of this account. Uh, before because it kind of got picked up, picked up a lot of steam and, and brought a lot of people and a lot of eyeballs and stuff like that. But no, Major Williams himself is not making me famous. That's for sure. Um, and as always, I have my trusty co-host, uh, Winnie, who's here with us, um, snoring away, enjoying her morning. So let's get into, um, let's get into some of the news today, there's a lot of news that I want to talk about. I was going to talk about Nancy Pelosi going to Taiwan and why that's a big deal. You know, Mrs. Pelosi goes to Taiwan. Um, I'm not a big foreign policy person. Uh, I, I thought this would be more of a story. Uh, I guess it's not really that big of a story. Obviously, China is saber rattling that they don't like the fact that anybody from the U.S. is going and um, anyone is going over to Taiwan and recognizing that Taiwan is a country. Um, which is causing a lot of problems. I don't know if it's poking the bear in terms of China. Why miss, you know, why is Pelosi going over to, I think she's going on some big like Southeast Asia trip all by herself, uh, or she's going with a delegation. Not really that important, but um, it's something to keep an eye on because it did kind of poke the bear a little bit in terms of what is happening um, in terms of global policy when it comes to China. And obviously I want to talk about because it, it was, Nancy Pelosi. I don't really have much more to say about it. Um, she's, you know, the military said don't go. They thought it was a bad idea. Uh, this, in terms of this policy from this administration, we have seen that this administration is not as tough on China as as Trump was. Trump was definitely tougher on China. There are a lot more China hawks, as they call them, in the administration of Donald Trump where they wanted to be tough on China and they wanted to make it known that we're not going to take anything laying down and we want to push back on China because for years and years and years, you know, we've kind of, you know, the status quo and the establishment have kind of let China get away with a lot of things. And that's what it comes down to is they've let China get away and grow and their influence and power all over the world. And here we are today. China gets to basically threaten our Speaker of the House. Now, uh, you know, someone said I saw the other day, if you're rooting, if you're trying to pick one side or the other, I guess you kind of have to 
support the person who pretends like they're under the American flag as much as I don't think Nancy Pelosi really gives a crap about the American flag or I think her loyalty to this country. I think she's basically uh, using the country and sucking off it like a leech as much as possible. Um, But it is interesting to see the geopolitics of a change. And they tried to say, well, Newt Gingrich went 25 years ago. Yeah, 25 years ago, China was a much different country. It wasn't as powerful. It didn't have the influence it does. Now China has a lot more power, has a lot more influence. Clearly, whenever China says jump, the rest of the world says how high, especially things like the World Health Organization. Um, so it, it's a little bit more of a tightrope walk when you have the Speaker of the House going over to Taiwan and there's threats from President Xi. And he said, quote, those who play with fire will perish by it. And that was something that he told the White House. Um, he added that a visit would lead to a very serious developments and consequences. Uh, and that was one of his Chinese foreign ministry. The Chinese military, the military later in the day posted a propaganda video of fighter jets, scrambling soldiers, firing missiles all because of Nancy Pelosi, right? Nancy Pelosi's just landing in Taiwan and they think that's a reason to, uh, start a full scale war. Now, is this one incident going to cause a full scale world war? no. Not likely, but it does kind of raise the issue of what does what does the U.S. stand for when it comes to Taiwan? Are they going to recognize Taiwan as a separate country? Taiwan loves the U.S. because they stand for freedom and they don't stand for communism. Um, China wants Taiwan to be a part of them as part of their one China policy. And we're kind of stuck at a crossroads of do we side with China or do we side with Taiwan? Now, if we're all about spreading freedom and democracy and all that we should be about taiwan and not china but because a lot of policymakers and people in power in the establishment and in the regime are very connected to china there's a lot of reason to believe that they won't really take a a strong stance on what's going on with taiwan um but it is an issue it's definitely an issue that has to be addressed it's an issue that has to be addressed one way or the other and it can't keep going on where we're just going to ignore what's happening with Taiwan. What happens in a hypothetical sense where China rolls up its two only two aircraft carriers up to Taiwan shore? Now, Taiwan says that they're prepared. That's, they said that they're basically ready for anything that China throws at them. Now, keep in mind, you're, you're fighting China, as, and it's Taiwan's a small, much smaller island. Um, but is it really? are they really ready without the U.S. coming to their aid, without us sending a couple of our 11 uh, aircraft carriers, which is the most in the world, uh, something's going to have to happen. This is one of those staring matches where something's going to happen. It's kind of like what's going on with Ukraine and the Donbass region is the Donbass region voted um, voted to... Oh, I'm just looking at the news right now. This says Alex Jones concedes in court that Sandy Hook massacre may have been real. Oh, look at that. They got him on the stand. That's pretty impressive. I'd love to see that testimony. That might be interesting to actually break down that testimony and what happened there. Um, but as I was saying, it, it, these things don't happen in a vacuum. They they take a long time for them to kind of bubble up and something to happen. So this may be the first step towards something where if a congresswoman or the house, the speaker of the house is going to Taiwan and she is landing in Taiwan and recognizing their government, then that is a direct shot across China's bow that we recognize Taiwan as an independent nation. And 
Could it raise to flare tensions? Absolutely. Could it raise an issue of China planning to invade Taiwan? Absolutely. And what happens when China does invade Taiwan? Are we going to be prepared to defend Taiwan? And under this administration, I'm not so sure. If this was Donald Trump in the White House, um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't really. I, I'd say I would be much more confident that Trump would defend Taiwan as opposed to bowing to China. Uh, we all know that, and that's probably one reason why China didn't screw with Taiwan is because, again, the crazy factor of Donald Trump. A lot of these countries didn't know what's going to happen with Donald Trump at the wheel. Um, so, uh, someone asked. So is there a connection here with her husband investing all that money in NVIDIA and their manufacturing? I did see that. You know, I did see that, and I thought that was really interesting that this would be the semiconductor chips would be a huge boon for the Taiwanese economy. And the fact that he invested in there, uh, someone now someone's fact-checking that the chip manufacturer in China is a different company. Uh, but I, did, I, I read that somewhere else, that there was... It's, Taiwan does have a large semiconductor industry over there. And if any money was voted on by the Speaker of the House, and then obviously her husband made a bunch of money on it, um, that there, I, you know, we could probably do a whole show just on Nancy Pelosi and her stock picks and how dirty that is um, and the insider trade that's going on there. So that is something that. Yeah, you know, we keep keep going down the rabbit hole of Nancy Pelosi. We could probably have a whole series just on Nancy Pelosi. It could just be called the Nancy Pelosi Diaries, where we just talk about Nancy Pelosi all the time. Um, but I do think it's interesting that all of this is sort of happening around the same time, where they have a bill coming through that regarding semiconductors. Her husband makes a bet on the semiconductors, or not a bet, but I should say he makes a order. He goes long on these stocks. And then Taiwan is a huge semiconductor nation that makes a lot of semiconductors. And then she goes over to Taiwan and visits with elected leaders there. It does seem a little fishy. Um, so it is a little fishy to the naked eye when you start to look at it that way. Um, all right. That's enough of Taiwan. I, I don't really want to keep talking about Taiwan, um, mostly because it's not really. I mean, yeah, Nancy Pelosi is from California. That was the only reason I really wanted to talk about this other this next issue. And then there's a third issue that kind of slid in last night that I want to talk about regarding the handgun roster, which is, I think, big news. Talking about the Bruin case, talking about the Second Amendment here in the state of California. Um, But let's talk about this next article, what's going on. And I've talked about this a lot. Okay, I've talked about this a lot. I think that this is one of the craziest policies going on in the state of California that I don't understand why Democrats believe this is any way compassionate. I don't understand this. I don't understand the logic behind it. Um, But the article is from the Sacramento Bee. It's California cities could create safe drug injection site programs if Newsom signs new bill. I think there's a whole bunch of things going on here in terms of what's at play. This bill has been trying to get through all places of all places, California, um, it took a couple times. This is not the first time they've tried this and it's gotten through. So contrary to popular belief, this even this bill did not get through California legislature as fast as people thought. It did take a couple times. Governor Jerry Brown, Governor Moonbeam uh, did veto the bill. So same bill. They kind of been changing around trying to get it passed. 
Uh, but the article goes on to say, Senate Bill 57 lets local jurisdictions vote to create injection sites as pilot programs. Proponents say the sites provide a realistic way of reducing overdoses and lowering crime, while opponents hold that the legislation would cause drug activity to spike. Yeah, I mean, there's there's obviously the concern that if you are going to allow for safe usage of drugs, people who like to use those drugs are going to find search out these sites and then continue to use them, um, especially if it's being promoted and, and kind of funded by the government. Quote, these programs have been in operation for about 30 years around the world in Europe, Canada, and Australia, uh, Scott Weiner told Senators Monday afternoon. And although there is no silver bullet to the overdose epidemic, they are proven strategy to reduce overdose deaths. Right. Maybe. Like, and I guess if you're saying there's safe sites because people are being monitored, there's a stronger possibility that people won't die if they're out on the streets as opposed to these sites. But that doesn't change the fact that we have a problem that that's really, we're, we're kind of focused on one symptom of the larger problem, which is that we're allowing a lot of this drug use, opioid use, all of this to continue within our streets and continue within our cities. And we haven't really fixed the root problem. And it's where instead of saying the root problem is that we should stop people using these drugs, right? People should stop using these drugs and we got to do everything we can to get people off of these drugs. And this is where the part I'm not really sure about how this is really compassionate comes in is when people are addicted to drugs, um, especially recreational drugs like this. I mean, even prescription drugs, people get addicted to prescription drugs as well. When people are addicted to drugs they're dealing with a crippling addiction which harms themselves which harms people around them which harms their psyche which harms their prospects in life and california said instead of trying to figure out how do we stop them from doing this destructive behavior that harms them let's figure out a way to continue allowing them to use and i've used this analogy before but i think it's absolutely pertinent and it's absolutely a, if i do say so a perfect analogy if someone was an alcoholic, you would not hand that person a bottle of Jack Daniels. If you knew someone struggled with drinking, you wouldn't say, look, I understand you struggle with drinking. Ergo, to help you with your drinking, I'm going to put you in this room and here's a bottle of Jack Daniels. But at least it's safe because we know where you are and we can monitor you. Does that seem very compassionate? I don't see how the compassion, um, I, I, I think it's not compassionate to continue to allow people to harm themselves when the real reality is, is that this is something that people struggle with and it does harm them. It does harm themselves. It does harm their family. It's not getting them any better. So how does that help? How does this help people get past their addiction? Are there people on hand who say, Look, we know you're using, we know that you're going to use, but at least if you're using under our, our watchful eye, um, maybe we can get you some help. Maybe we can get some people to address what's going on in your life, and maybe we can help you get off of this. Maybe that would make more sense to be like, well, we're trying to get them off the streets and into a safe place and then try to get them off the drugs. But if you're going to just say, here's a safe injection site, 
paid for by the government. I don't really see the carrot in the stick here. And again, I really do believe the state is becoming an enabler of these people who are suffering. And I don't understand how that's compassionate. I, I got in a Twitter battle. I think I mentioned this on one of the past podcasts. I, I mentioned what Josh Hoover was on, uh, who's running for the state assembly. I, I got in a Twitter spat with somebody who obviously had a bajillion pronouns in their name and a Ukraine flag and all that stuff. And they were lauding Scott Wiener and saying, oh, this is a great policy. Thank you, Senator Wiener, for doing this. Um, and I, I told him point blank. I said, look, I don't understand how this is compassionate. And you explain to me how this is compassionate. The person said, well, at least they're not dying in the street. I said, great. Uh, that's one aspect of it. But um, these people are still struggling and they're hurting. So what's your solution to get them to stop hurting and struggling with this addiction? No response. Maybe she didn't want to respond because she didn't want to engage, but there was no response either way. And I, I have yet to find um, I have yet to find any sort of answer as to why this is really compassionate. So in 2018, uh, when Noodles ran for governor, he said he's very open to the law when he ran for governor in 2018, the San Francisco Chronicle reported. Quote, I'm very open to that, he said, at a San Francisco campaign stop. I'd like to learn more about why the governor vetoed it in terms of making what I believe is a legal argument. So I'd like to research that. I'm not wedded to the language of the existing bill, but I'm certainly very, very open to the pilot. This is where it gets interesting. Um, she. Yeah, I don't know. I probably misgendered her a thousand times, that Twitter user, because I didn't pay attention to her pronouns. Once I see the pronouns, I'm just like, okay, I'm not paying attention to your pronouns. Um, this is where it's interesting. 2018 is a lot different than 2022 and 2022 is going to be a lot different than 2024, two years away. So the span of 2018 to 2024. Now, what's the one thing we've been saying on this program for months now about noodles and what his plans are? His plans are he's going to run for go for president. Well, yeah, we already know he's running for governor. He's running for governor this year. He's going to run for president, right? We all know it. We know that he's going to throw his hat in the ring one way or another, whether it's 2024 or whether it's 2028. He wants to become president of the United States of America. So it's it's kind of interesting to see how this politics will play out because now this bill is headed to his desk. Does Governor Noodles sign this bill because it's a Bay Area progressive Senator Wiener sponsored bill? Again, that, that just absolutely caters to whatever the Bay Area wants. Forget that there's 58 other counties in the, in the entire giant state that is California. Does he actually sign this or does he veto it? Because does it just become another thing that opponents can use against him? Now, if he had good political consultants, right, and for a guy who has $24 million in the bank, he should absolutely have good political consultants, not to mention he's well-connected with everybody in the establishment. Um, he should have good political consultants who are telling him, look, you know, uh, Governor Noodles, 
if you want to run for president, right, if you want to run for president, maybe ease up on the radical bills, right? And maybe he's trying to distance himself and say, look, this is what a Democrat, a true progressive is who fights. Um, but is this something that he might step back and go, mm, it's been fraught with language before, you know, Governor Moonbeam vetoed it. Maybe I veto it because I'm not absolutely 100% sure of it. Now, the legislature could always bypass them. They have a supermajority. They don't really need Gavin Newsom. They can go back and, and do the supermajority if they really, really want this. Um, most of the time, they just let it die uh, because they don't want that fight. Uh, and, and especially when you go back and you ask for a supermajority, it's a lot harder to get people to sign up to it, especially like more moderate Democrats. Uh, but I think it will be interesting to see. Now, I'm not saying that there's a high probability he vetoes it. I think there is a good probability or there's a good possibility that he does veto this because I think this is one of his things that if he's running against a Governor DeSantis, how easy is it for a Governor DeSantis campaign to run across the country in every swing state and show open use drug sites of people injecting themselves with drugs and say, this is what Gavin Newsom stands for in California. This is what Gavin Newsom supports in California. This is what he signed into law in California. Do you want this in your cities, in your states? Because that will become a thing. He could say that will become federal policy where every city across the country is going to have safe, safe use injection drug sites, right? That's what it's going to come down to. Um, I, I'll be interested to see how this politically plays out. Is there much more of a chance he does sign it? Sure. Gavin Newsom believes he's invincible. He can do whatever he wants. I mean, he's running ads in Florida because he thinks that if he just tells people that California stands for more freedom, some of people are going to believe that he stands for more freedom. Uh, but... I think this is one of those things where if he had smart political consultants, they would tell him maybe don't sign this bill, right? You can sign a lot of other progressive things. This may be a progressive cause that's a little too far. Abortion is obviously something that he can run on. Um, he can obviously run with that. He can do that. Um, that's something that the left ad uh, adores and loves about of California. Um, but some of these things might be a little too progressive for swing states like Arizona. Um, but again, my belief is that even if he did run with or without this veto, I don't I don't think Newsom really has a chance at winning the presidency. I don't think he's going to win swing states like Arizona or Florida, for that matter. I don't think Florida's going to look at California and be like, yeah, we want to be exactly like California after what we saw in 2020. Uh, so but it'll be interesting. It will be interesting to see how this politically plays out. Uh, finally, this is the quote from the Senate Republican leader, Scott Wilk, uh, quote, instead of focusing on a strategy to help people get their lives back, get off drugs into treatment, California Democrats focus on giving people free needles and a safe place to shoot up, said Senator Republican leader, Scott Wilk of Santa Clarita. This is one of the most dangerous pieces of legislation that I've seen sent to the governor, leaving people on the streets in squalor rather than getting them help shows zero compassion. Yeah. And that's exactly my final point is I see fail to see the compassion. And I think that's an angle that if you're a California Republican, go with compassion, because remember, 
Um, I saw Propaganda Fluent on here. I don't know if she's still on here. People vote with emotions. And if you can tap into that emotion and show that California Democrats are not being compassionate on this issue, you could get you could swing votes because people vote with emotions. And if they see that and you can tap into that and say, well, are you on the side of compassion where we get people help they need to get them off this horrible addiction? Or are you are you on the side of the people who want to keep them basically down in the gutter, injecting themselves and doing these unsafe drugs? Is that what you want? And a lot of people, I think, would go with the, the former rather than the latter. So, uh, final story that I want to touch upon because I saw this last night. And this is really exciting news because all I want is my Walther PPQ, which I cannot get in the state of California um, because it's a beautiful 9mm uh, handgun. And I would like one, but I can't get one in the state of California. The only Walther you can get is a P22, which I love my little 22. It's a fun plinker. Um, it's a fun little gun that we like to take to the range. It's fun for just for screwing around. Um, so I like Walther. It's smooth, good grip like that, but I'd like to get the PPQ. Why am I bringing this up? Why am I talking about this all stuff? Um, is because a lawsuit, and this is according to the reload, who has become a fantastic go-to site when it comes to anything Second Amendment related. The California Rifle and Pistol Association has filed a lawsuit in federal court against Attorney General Rob Bonta. On Monday, the suit takes aim at the state's Unsafe Handgun Act, the handgun roster. So any of you who are familiar, if you're not familiar, you can raise your hands. I have no idea what the heck you're talking about. I'll give you a little bit of background. If you don't know what I'm talking about, California has a roster of handguns that you can purchase that are allowed to be sold in the state of California. Why? Because they believe that there are certain handguns out there that are not safe. So they put all these stipulations on what a safe handgun is. And if you are a gun manufacturer, you have to actually make your gun to California specifics or their specific requirements. Like I was saying specifically about my Walther, that is a model that is specifically P22 California. They actually have to put the designation that it's for California. Uh, because it has to meet these specific requirements that they keep putting into law. They keep putting into, you know, it's whether the mag capacity, whether it's um, they want the loaded indicator on all the guns. Now the big thing is the micro stamping, which is probably what this is going to be about is the micro stamping. Also this new rule that if they put a new handgun on, three have to come off so if a new one wants to come onto the roster three have to come off it's effectively a way of every time a new gun wants to come on three have to come off and that means that they could just whittle away at the handgun roster over time so the point where there's not really any choice for handguns at all um ozzy and i have talked about this when he came on the show uh the funny thing is is that they say it's unsafe uh what do they got the unsafe handgun act i just call it the roster is they're keeping guns that are actually safer and newer off of the roster because they don't meet California requirements. So there are guns, um, and someone can correct me on what generation the Glocks are on, but we're a couple generations behind, and every generation is made to be safer, it's made to be more efficient, it's made to be better handling, um, but because we can't get our hands on them in California, they're deemed unsafe for some reason. Um, this is a quote from CRPA. 
Californians have long been held hostage under the state's arbitrary determination of what is and what is not a safe handgun, while the rest of America enjoys the freedom to common, own commonly used firearms. Today, CRPA moves to end those restrictions and restore freedom to California. Uh, the UHA prohibits California's general public from acquiring a significant number of popular and common models of handguns that Americans own nationwide for the purpose of lawful self-defense. There is no legitimate and genuine historical analog for the UHA, and UHA therefore unconstitutionally infringes plaintiff's Second Amendment right to bear arms. Um, and then the final quote is, uh, far from ensuring that handguns sold in California are, quote, safe, all the UHA accomplishes is ensuring that older, increasingly less desirable handgun models proliferate ad infinitum, while newer, more reliable, more ergonomic, more affordable, and more desirable choices remain out of reach, the complaint states. Uh so, yeah, if you're a fan of the popular YouTuber Reno May, he's actually one of the named uh, plaintiffs in the case. So if you don't follow uh, Reno May, he's a great follow as well when it comes to anything. He's a California Second Amendment advocate, and he's a great follow. Uh, so I've talked about this before. I did the video last week. Brewing, if you haven't checked out the video, go check it out. It's on Instagram. It's on YouTube. We're talking about the Sacramento ruling in that criminal case. Um, but. Bruin is making its way down through the lower courts in a very good way already. And it's only been a couple months and we're already starting to see sort of the uh, repercussions or the dividends that are being paid from Bruin. One of those is that the judgment in the, I believe it was the mag capacity, the, the mag ban case uh, has been vacated. It's been reissued down to the lower court, which is St. Judge Benitez. So that will be held up. I believe that St. Judge Benitez will probably find that the the magazine uh, capacity will be deemed unconstitutional. Um, but with Bruin, it's going to be much harder to argue and overturn that. But we're seeing the repercussions of Bruin. And this is one of those issues where the handgun roster. I don't think there's an analogous historical tradition of a handgun roster in American society or in American history, I'd, I'd love to read the complaint and see everything that they, they espouse or what they talk about. Um, but this is one of those cases where Bruin is making its way through the lower courts. And we're going to see that. And I would be all for it to see that this handgun roster is deemed unconstitutional, that they can now all of a sudden sell basically any handgun that they want in the state of California. And California is going to be the testing grounds for Bruin. And really, we're going to see how strong this Bruin case is here in California. This is the testing grounds. This is where we're going to see the most cases, where we're going to see the most decisions, whether or not Bruin holds up, whether or not it has the power to overrule a lot of these California restrictions. And California's Second Amendment-wise could be a completely different state in a number of years. We could be talking about high-capacity magazines again. We could be talking about much more choices for handguns. Uh, handguns that are newer generation that you could actually get outside of the state. There could be a lot of issues. A lot of things that are going to be overturning California. And if they're overturning California, then you know damn well that they're going to be overturning the rest of the country. And these things won't hold up or they won't stand mustard in court. So this is another issue. We saw the ruling in the case last week um, in terms of 
what's going to happen with the carry and conceal. Now they're trying to pass SB 918, which is going to try to basically their goal is to effectively eliminate all of your uh, ability to carry and conceal anywhere in the state of California. I think that will probably fall under Bruin. It won't stand mustard under Bruin uh, because that's not the history and tradition is that you can't carry anywhere. So that will likely fail. And Bruin is, is going to kind of put the flag down and say, look, this is the Second Amendment. I saw someone say Heller was the ruling. Heller was the standard. And Bruin was the exclamation point on that ruling, basically saying we're going to go by history and tradition. We're going to examine the plain text, whatever they meant. And that is it. And that's really where we're coming from in terms of all Second Amendment jurisprudence from here on out. So another case to follow. It will be interesting. Let's hope that they get rid of the uh, handgun roster here in the state of California. It may take years to get through, uh, but you can. Let's see. So any of the roster has eliminated tomorrow. Won't AB 1594 still stop manufacturing from bringing new guns to the California market? Um Remind me what AB 1594 is. Everyone throws these numbers at me. I, I, I try to keep up as much as possible. I don't really, um, I don't, I don't keep them memorized as much. I do have a day job that I have to keep my mind on as well. So, uh, I don't keep track of every single bill that's coming through as much as I try to keep track of every single bill or as many bills as possible. Gun manufacturers can be sued in California. And that's an interesting question that uh, they've been throwing around that legal theory for a while. That's a torts products liability question. And I don't think it'll be interesting to see how they rule on that in terms of products liability. Uh, Because the idea of products liability is that you are not supposed to use a product that is not intended for. I could see the if you're playing devil's advocate, they could say, well, the point of a gun is to shoot things and people um, and to protect yourself. So but it's not intended. They could also write, you know, they could say, yes, it, it is used to protect yourself under the Second Amendment, but it's not used to go and actively murder people. That's not the point of it. It's like you could say, well. You know, the point of a ladder is you want to get up on the ladder and, and reach high places. The point of the ladder is not to use it to beat the crap out of someone. You can't sue someone for beating the crap out of you with a ladder because that's not the point of what the ladder is created for. So that'll be an interesting products liability torts question. Um, again, they're, they're trying to throw as much against the wall as possible when it comes to the Second Amendment here in California. And the fact that they are trying so hard to get you or, or to strip you of your second amendment rights and it's i don't know why it's not more shocking to people why politicians are trying so hard to absolutely strip you of every single right you have under the second amendment when it comes to protecting yourself and your property and your family it is interesting that people aren't more upset about this and you know i understand people think that they have this warped idea of well what do we need guns for that's what the police is for uh, if you talk to a policeman or a sheriff's deputy or something like that, even they will admit like, look, best case scenario, someone breaks into your house. We're not showing up for, I don't know, eight to 11 minutes. Best case scenario. Sometimes they don't even show up until like 20 minutes later. So no one is going there. The police are not your personal body card. They're not your private security. They're not going to, they're not watching your house all the time to make sure no one breaks in. Um, 
And politicians just seem to be absolutely obsessed with taking that away from you. And I, I don't know why people aren't more shocked about this or more apprehensive as to why are we so obsessed with taking this right away from us. Um, maybe it needs to be more emphasized through a different angle in terms of the argument made. Um, one of my favorites is that gun rights is women's rights. It is a great equalizer for women who need to protect themselves. So maybe that's an angle, but uh, we'll see. And, and California is going to be the testing ground. California is definitely going to be the testing ground for all this Second Amendment stuff. So, all right, let's hear some questions and comments. Um, I'll go over a little bit because I started late uh, for everyone. And it is hot. It's hot here in San Diego right now. Um. But oh, someone I have I've had to call police. Good luck getting through. If you don't get a busy signal, they won't show up for forty minutes when you call about people breaking into your neighbor's home. I've done it, but if you call the non-emergency line, it takes a while to get through to the other side. I've called the non-emergency line because I've you know there's noise or people were throwing parties at three a.m. Yeah, I was I'm that old fart who's like, look, I'm trying to get some sleep. It's a Wednesday night and you're loud, you're wide awake at three a.m. blasting music. Um, so you call the police and hopefully the police show up. You never know if the police actually do show up. They might just be they might just file it and say like, look, we don't really care. But it does take a while for all that to happen. I'm encouraging all my single female friends to train and get armed. The world is too crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and while you're training and getting it, figuring that out, carry non-lethal defense with you, pepper spray, stuff like that. Carry that with you at all times. You know, you don't want a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to think about the world that where I have to carry pepper spray or a gun. Well, you never know. You just never know. The world is getting crazier and crazier, especially here in California. Um, San Bernardino County Board of Supervisors working to consider working on becoming a separate state. Your thoughts? Um, go for it. Why not? I mean, it'd be interesting to see San Bernardino become their own separate state. And, and it'd be interesting. This is a bigger issue. And a lot the Libertarian Party is really bringing this up a lot. This national divorce idea of like localities breaking away from the federal government. And this would be even more of a localized decision where the San Bernardino County Board of Supervisors says we're breaking away from the state and we're going to recognize ourselves as a state. And San Bernardino is a pretty substantial county to break away. And there's a lot going on in San Bernardino. Um, it's not obviously Orange County or Los Angeles County, but or even San Diego County. But I, I fully support it. Why not? You know, I think you shouldn't be it, 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 what what did the declaration of independence say you know when when a government becomes destructive uh, the people shall abolish it like that's destructive to its end the people shall abolish it um the right of the people shall be to abolish it um if a government i believe if it's become so destructive and there's no way to fix it why not just start over or start new start fresh so why not san bernardino county become their own state I don't think they will, but it's an interesting question as to national divorce. Uh, police are not preventative unless you are a celebrity. Yeah. Uh, unless you're a celebrity, there is not really much 
Even married women should get training. I've had some sketchy Uber rides. Also, if a woman is at home alone with her kid, what if someone tries to break in, carjacking, etc.? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, you have to be prepared to defend yourself, defend your home. California is still a castle doctrine state, which means that you can defend yourself in your home. Uh, actually, California is not a duty to retreat state, which is pretty, pretty interesting uh, for California that they actually have some pretty favorable self-defense laws when it comes to firearms in the state of California. Some other states are not really that great, like New York. Um, I, I'm sure a lot of you saw that video yesterday where uh, the person, I thought it was an old lady, but I guess it was a guy who defended himself against those robbers who were coming into his convenience store. So, And that was up in Norco, which is a small rural town, and they decided we're going to just pick on this one. I've had a customer call El Cajon PD to report a non-emergency situation. They told them they would not go unless it's an emergency. That's comforting to know. I mean, they can't be everywhere all at once. You know, people want police to believe that they're everywhere all at once. This is in the movies where something happens and, and they yell, you know, officer, go get that man. Like, they're not they're not there to just be your personal bodyguard. Um, I'm married and have kids. I'm armed, but many single women tend to fear firearms in trying to change that. Um, isn't San Bernardino the largest county by area in the country? Maybe. Maybe it is. I don't know. Someone wants to fact check that. So, yeah, and I think it's always, you know, more women. Um, the bodega worker from New York last I heard murder try. Oh, no, no, that's that's a different story. The bodega worker from New York. Uh, yeah, that was somebody who, uh, that was in New York where they had a bodega owner and they defend themselves. The guy jumped over the counter and they had a knife and the guy was it. The guy had a knife. Well, I'm trying to remember the guy, the owner had a knife guy jumped over the counter, started beating the crap out of him. And he defended himself with a knife and they were going to try and bring him up on murder charges. But that was all dropped. I think after I got enough national play now there's a there's a video uh that just came out of norco california and people have been sending it to me where robber shows up ski mask has a rifle um i didn't actually get a close look at whether the rifle was california bogota yeah it's a bogota <laughs> according to uh jill biden it's a bogota um i didn't even actually get to see if the rifle itself was california compliant would be interesting to if someone wants to go back and look and be like actually that rifle is not california compliant uh he runs into the store right off the bat guy goes you know put your hands in the air here for the money and then all of a sudden you just hear bang and the guy goes he got my arm he got my arm and the guy goes running out and the video on the front i think the video out in the parking lot's even funnier because you see his other buddy get out with another gun and he's just kind of looking in and he hears the bang and he immediately gets back in the car and he's like, uh, screw this. I'm not going to be a part of this. So good lesson there, which is criminals aren't as tough as you think they are. And when it comes to a gunfight, they don't want to be engaged in a gunfight, right? Um, if they know people are in the house and if they know people are in the house with guns, most of the time they will flee because they don't want to get involved in a gunfight. They have guns because they want to scare you into doing stuff. But if you have guns and they have guns, then, you know, they're not, they're not as tough. 
Norco's, the city next to mine, Corona, California. I was just at a restaurant two blocks down the other day. They tried to rob that convenience store. Yeah, it's much more rural. Somebody said it's like there's a bunch of horses in that area. It's like the horse capital of California or something, Norco. I think I was there once. That's all I remember. It was all about... Um, it's all about horses. Like when, once you drove into Norco, it's like all about horses. The guy who got shot is in hospital, still in critical condition. Well, yeah, I mean, it was a shotgun blast right to him. So at close range, it was close range as far as our, I think it's a shotgun blast. Looked like a shotgun blast. Um, lots of chickens, too. It's just farm country. It's better to keep you owning guns a secret, though. Don't want to become a target for robberies. Uh, well, I'm talking about like, I've, I've heard from classes that, uh, in terms of home defense, I've heard that if you're kind of hunkered down in your bedroom and you know, someone's there, uh, don't go after the person. Don't go hunting for, don't like go through the house and start hunting that person. And, uh, this is from the USCCA, one of their videos. Don't go hunting the person. If you can hunker down in the bedroom and get your whole family in one room, and you have a gun, um, then, you know, you can yell out the thing like, hey, we're home, just letting you know, like, we have firearms and we are ready to defend ourselves if need be, and then just hide out in the bedroom. Letting them know, like, if you come up here and you have a gun and we don't know what you're doing, we will defend ourselves. So that's what I mean by if you let people know that you have a gun. Um, and I've heard people say that's that's the what I've heard, so when you watch all these tactical videos, these home defense videos, people still ride their horses to church and have hitching posts. That's awesome. That's really cool. That's why I love there. There are some places in California that are just, you look at these places and you go, man, like you wouldn't even think this is California anymore. Like it's just out there. It's out there in the desert. It's out there all by itself. It's just a little, rural community and you go i can't believe this is california is this could be arkansas for all i know um you're making me want to go gun shopping it's once you go down the rabbit hole of gun shopping it doesn't start with one gun it it becomes a whole thing and now all of a sudden you're going to go more gun shopping the old man must have had buckshot not birdshot yeah he i don't think he was peppering him up i think he he was ready to go he had the buckshot ready to go and that's why that guy ran out of there with his arm all mangled up, not because of buckshot or not because of birdshot. He probably got him with buckshot. Um, so again, like I said, tomorrow night coming up on the, the hour, uh, tomorrow night, Natalie will be joining us for a pandemic pandemonium episode where we're going to be talking about what happened with COVID. Why did the masks, why it may push back. Maybe a lot of pushback, stop the mass from being re-implemented in L.A. Uh, and we're going to talk about monkeypox. And why are they treating monkeypox so much differently than they are with COVID? Um, do you think if elder were governor, program laws would be on a better trajectory in California? Listen, I'm going to tell you this about elder. Harry's a nice guy. You know, I, I haven't met the guy. I, everything I see is very smart. I've never personally met the guy. I'm sure someone can vouch for him and say he's a really nice guy. I saw him speak live. Great speaker. Electric. Had the whole room. Larry Elder, in my mind, in my opinion, single-handedly tanked the recall. Right? 
And I've said this before. Once he jumped in, I had a bad feeling that that was basically the end of it, that the recall was basically over uh, because he became the Trumpian candidate that Gavin Newsom was looking for. And once he became the Trumpian candidate that Newsom was looking for, he could run those ads 24-7, three times every commercial break to the point where you were sick of it. And people showed up and said, I don't want to vote for Trump or any Trump person. Um, and so that was why he won sixty over 60% of the vote not to recall. So I don't know who advised Larry Elder to jump in the race when the polls were very close. It was bordering on within the margin of error of the we were going to recall Gavin Newsom that we were around that 48 50% yes we're going to recall him but once Larry Elder jumped in the race it all became for nothing and you know everyone says oh well Californians had their shot and they blew it now you know put the wrong candidates out there it happens but to answer your question do I think if if um Larry Elder was governor. Keep in mind, Larry Elder would not have been governor that long. This was not even a year ago. He would be running again right now as governor of California. He could be running against Gavin Newsom again. Just because you're recalled doesn't mean you can't run again. So Gavin Newsom could have been recalled out of office for a little bit, and Gavin Newsom could have came back and ran again and likely would have won. So we would have had a brief respite from Newsom for less than a year. How much he could have got done I don't really know um, because a lot of these are gun laws. A lot of like the, the unsafe uh, handgun law or the roster is law. So there's not much he could do as governor. You would need a new legislature. And we're, you know, we're coming up on the hour here. I don't want to get into the whole diatribe that I always say, which is you have to flip the legislature. Or we have to even out the legislature if we want these crazy bills to stop if we want these crazy bills like the handgun roster or safe injection sites to stop you we have to even out the the legislature we have to make it harder for them to pass these crazy bills um so yeah it, it's i don't think he would have made a, a lick of difference to be completely honest i don't know what he would have done in a year um uh, he may have just blown the lid on a lot of things and said, Hey, look, as soon as I came into being governor, I found this, this, and this, and maybe people would have kind of, maybe that would have been the greatest thing he could have, could have done. Cause he's a great spokesperson. He could have went in and found everything that was wrong. That's going on in Sacramento and say, Hey, this is what's wrong. And, um, we need to fix this. Schellenberger needed to win. Not anyone that smelled like Trump Yeah, Schellenberger, I think would have given Newsom a good run for his money. Uh, because he's an independent and because he was a little bit more center or left-leaning center, it would have given Newsom a little bit more. I, I think they were scared of Schellenberger running for governor, and they were scared of him being in the primary, which is, again, once the Republicans had their eyes set on Brian Dolly, and once they nominated Brian Dolly, that's why they pushed Brian Dolly. You know, there is, um, there is a game play to the other side, pushing the candidate that you want to see in the general. This happens a lot where one side will say, oh, you're the weaker Democrat that I want to face off in the general. So my campaign is going to expend money and get you to run against me in the general because I'll prop you up and people will vote for you. Um, 
and that's exactly what they did. They propped up Brian Dolly, and look where he is now. He's running against Newsom. He'll get slaughtered in the general. It won't even be a close race, probably be like 60-30. And that's basically it, is Newsom will coast to a, a re-election. I haven't heard anything from Brian Dolly. We're several months away from electing a new governor, and you think, again... Brian Dolly is doing the same exact thing that John Cox did, which is John Cox got the nomination, talked a big game, and disappeared. And that was it. We we never heard from John Cox after that. We haven't heard from Brian Dolly since the convention. Has anyone heard from Brian Dolly? You know, you think if you're fighting for the state and you think it's in such dire straits and you're running for governor you might want to be out there a little bit more. I understand he's also state senator and things are going on, but that was the that was the workload you picked up when you want to run for governor and be state senator. So right now we haven't heard anything from him and you know it's likely it's maybe he knows the writings on the wall why even worry about it. It's like an honorary distinction at this point where he can say, "Oh, I was a candidate for governor of California. I was the Republican candidate." Um, and now he can be on Fox News and, and and stuff like that. And I haven't seen anything. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just don't follow the right things. Uh, I couldn't give him my support because he worked for Soros. I know he doesn't currently work for my chance. Can't get behind that, though. Mm. He talked about that. I think he talked about that on Rogan, where he talked about how he saw everything that was wrong with Soros and got out of it. Dolly seems nice, but he comes off as a rhino. Noodles will eat him alive in November. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's not going to be even close. They could, of course, need a guy. Really, yeah, he could have ended the state emergency if Elder got in. He could have ended the emergency, but the legislature can also do it as well. So, um, or no, it's only the governor. Only the governor can declare a state of emergency, but the legislature can end it at a certain point. They could pass a resolution, which they haven't done, so. All right, so coming up on the hour, thanks everyone for the topics. Thanks for tuning in. As always, tomorrow night, 8 p.m., we're going to do the podcast. We're going to do the pandemic pandemonium. We're going to talk about everything with COVID, why all of a sudden it's a resurgence, why I think they learned their lesson and they got pressured into kind of backing off COVID, and why monkeypox is the new thing, and what's the difference? Why are we treating monkeypox a little bit more differently than we are treating COVID, and why is everyone getting treated differently and and it's just a weird situation and a very hypocritical situation that we're going to talk about um with that said thanks for people who checked out the merch at the bottom the elites hate you classic tank top which is perfect for summertime right now um and keeping cool in the heat and everything like that uh so for everyone who joined on thanks for tuning in we do this every wednesday at 9 a.m um try to get on as soon as possible and that's it Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Have a great day. See you tomorrow night. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it. And follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 